Ladies and gentlemen, the tiny DevOps guy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tiny DevOps, where we talk about dev and ops and business on small teams and small companies. I'm really excited today to have my first former client or possibly future client as well on as a guest. Um, uh, Mr. Ashley Cornelius is the founder or a founder, I guess, of a company called Localize. And I'll have him introduce the company and himself here in just a minute. Um, I've been working with Localize uh, for several months uh, to help them with some backend infrastructure and some some coding. Uh, but here uh, today, I want to talk with Ashley about his uh, experience uh, and hear his story about the startup he's working on. So welcome, Ashley. Thank you for coming on the show. I'm, I'm really excited to have you here and, and your guest in the background. If you're watching the video, we have a stormtrooper standing here too. Um, would you just briefly tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and, and how you got into Localize? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for for having me, Jonathan. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor to be here. Um, even though you do prefer Star Trek over Star Wars, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll ignore that fact. We, we can't all be perfect. There we go. Um, yeah, so um, my name's Ashley Cornelius. I'm the founder of um, a startup called Localize. Um, Localize is really a, a mobile platform. It's an app. It's a mobile platform for promoting and supporting independent high street businesses. Um, so, you know, small local businesses, no corporates, no chains, no cost of coffees and franchises, etc. This is purely for supporting independent, real independent businesses of uh, the UK initially. Um, this isn't something that uh, was kind of a knee-jerk reaction because of events of the last 18 months and the pandemic kicking in and, and you know, it wasn't an opportunist thing like that. Um, this is something I've been working on for, for a few years. Um, just coincidentally, um, over the last kind of year to 18 months, it's been something that, you know, su supporting the high street and supporting small businesses kind of been thrust into the limelight a bit more because of the, the terrible journey that some of them... Um, or most small business owners had to go through over the last year. So yeah, Localize is a platform to support those small businesses. It's built within a, a social media framework, as you know very well, Jonathan, because you, you, you yeah. built most of it. Um, it's built within a social media framework whereby we kind of leverage the audience and local people to help promote and support independent businesses. Um, we launched recently with our MVP um and are kind of just focused on a couple of key geographies here in kent uh, in england to start with um and we have lots and lots of plans you mentioned sort of being maybe being a future client we have lots and lots of plans for extra functionality and there's so much you can do with this platform once we get the initial traction and, and take up that we need to uh, secure our kind of uh, our future journey so um yeah we're we're really at the, the start of kind of our journey. We're, we're a startup. We're very early on, but um, but really excited about what we built and what you helped us to build and, and where we can take it. That's great. Uh, tell me a little bit about your history, because I, I know that you're, this is your first startup, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? This is my first startup, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. My history is actually in kind of the investment banking world. I was never a, an investment banker directly, but um, I worked on, in a number of different functions within the banking industry. Um, and then immediately before I we raised the funds for Localize, I was working for Santander. Um, but yeah, this is my this is my first um, kind of journey into the startup world, and uh, it's been a really interesting journey so far. And it's been a, it's very um, I've learned a lot. I think 
I've learned a lot every day something new. Um, it's very different from the corporate background that I've come from. Although, although it's a very different world, I, I do think you know I, I picked up a lot of stuff in that corporate world that I've that's helped me um, on this on this journey. But yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes as well. So yeah, that's my background. Nice. So how does somebody come from the financial world and and decide to to do a startup? I mean, that, that's a pretty big leap. What, what draw the lines for us? How how did you connect those dots, and why why are you interested in this? You know what? I think if you speak to people, um, just I'm kind of talking really informally now. But if you if you speak to a lot of people, a lot of people have ideas about stuff they'd like to do, um, and those leaps they'd like to take. You know, I'd love to run a, a co- my own coffee shop. I'd love to do something, or even if it's something like a new hobby or something. Lots of people have dreams and things they'd like to get into. But for me, um, and I don't want to get too kind of too deep into my my personal side, but I kind of went through a bit of an awakening. And I don't know if you have I've had this conversation before, Jonathan, but I kind of had a bit of an awakening about a few years back. And I just realized that I I didn't want to go through, like, I mean, I, I listen, I am a good good wager in the banking world and I, I had a good lifestyle. Um, you know, afforded me a nice lifestyle, etc. But, and I'm, this isn't a diss to the banking industry. Maybe it is, I don't know. But I, I just found myself wanting more from life than earning some nice money and really making all of the, the clients and shareholders of the banks that I work for even richer than they already were. I felt like I really needed to do something that, you know, leave a bit of a legacy. I didn't want, you know, I've got two young children now. You know, you've got a young child yourself. Um, I didn't want my legacy just to be about earning a good, Good wage of an investment bank as my as my thing, you know. I wanted to do something that gave back and something more community based, um, and something that yeah, just was more about giving and you know more altruistic. So um, I started a homeless charity a few years ago, and and I just that was one of those things I needed to do, and that still runs now. We did shoebox collections at Christmas, and you know people donate a shoebox full of various items for homeless people. And I think the last year, we didn't do it last year because of the pandemic, but I think the year before, I think we got like 380 something shoeboxes full of items for homeless people, which we then distributed into Kent sort of refuges and stuff. And I just felt like I needed to be doing more, thing, more things based around giving and giving back and community and helping others. Um, and so... You know, I worked towards that that fundraise and trying to make localize a reality because I, I saw that as a good something that could benefit business owners and and, and other people, um, and something that would be you know, really interesting to work on. Something I'm very passionate about, kind of supporting independent businesses, etc. And it, you know, you say it, it's a leap. It didn't feel like a leap because it took me a long time to make that leap. It was more like a gradual kind of shuffle towards the edge and look over and now I'm not going to do that just yet. And, you know, when we went through the fundraise, I actually put off the fundraise for looking back, I can now identify that I put that fundraise off for a long time because of fear of rejection and fear of, is this the right thing to do? Am I, you know, I'm comfortable in my job. Should I, should I take that leap, etc. cetera? Um, and, you know, many startups start up, many startups don't make it. Um, we'll see where it takes us but um but yeah i needed to do something that, that was more than just making money at a, at a bank which i kind of felt like a bit of a was turning into a toxic environment for me it felt like a walking mm-hmm. like sort of a hypocrite i didn't really like the industry or the or the the kind of the, the setup but i was part of it and earning money so that's where that's what led me to, to create localized 
So I, I like that Localize is focused on independent businesses. How do you do that vetting? How do you how do you ensure that the businesses are are independent? And and what if they grow later on? What if what if the first McDonald's signed up on Localize and then ten years later franchise? What would you do? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And um, first part of that question: What vetting do we do? I think you probably wrote some of that validation logic. So you're probably better placed to answer that than me, to be honest. But um, uh, you know. <laughs> As a startup, um, and this is something I've found and something that we will continue to kind of have to work on, you have to do lots of manual interventions and manual things at the start when you haven't got the resource and the the technology to make everything systematic and automatic. And just to expand on this a little bit, when I I did, I self-funded a pilot version of Localize some years ago. And what we found was the small businesses that were registering, we had loads of home-based businesses register, which is, you know, that's fine. But it's not what Localize was built for. Localize was for supporting the high street. And we found we had lots of people registering who were selling Herbalife or Arbon or kind of, you know, some might say they're kind of network selling initiatives, etc. And that's not what Localize is about. So at the start, it, it was very much a manual kind of, every time a business signs up, we check them out. Is that an independent business? Are they home-based, etc. But, you know, we've, we've got a few... Um, few systematic pieces of validation there. We do a Google look up on them when they're registered to make sure they're registered in Google, etc. We've got a nice little um, kind of set of instructions that pops up to say, you know, this is localized. We're all about supporting the high street. If you're a home-based business, we're not ready for you yet, um, etc. So people have to physically go through the steps to say, I am not a home-based business. I am an independent business. So if they get into the platform and they're not those things, don't really have any issues in just whipping them out because they've They've, they've not followed the, the, the proper protocol to actually get there in the end. Um, but we've had some home-based businesses register and we pinged them and, and told them, listen, we're not ready for home-based businesses yet. And they've, they've just removed themselves. And um, it hasn't been too much of a challenge yet because we're still at a very small scale. But I appreciate that as we grow, that problem will become more wholesale and we'll have to address that in automatic, automated, systematic ways. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned, I'm very much going to be flipping that back on you to say, how do we achieve this, Jonathan? Um, how do we stop the people um, that aren't meant to be in here coming in here? And the, the, the question about McDonald's, that's a really interesting one. And uh, I'm going to kind of defer the answer to that because it's not an answer to a question that I have to answer just yet in our journey. Of course. I'm sure yeah. it'll be a problem in the future. And I look forward to that problem. We'll, you know, we'll get into those stages. Um, but it's something that I haven't had to think about just yet. And, and there's so much to think about now. But anything that I don't have to think about yet, I'll just pass. I'll just push forward until I have to actually deal with it. If that makes sense, that's a great answer. I'll have you back on when that becomes a problem. Well, and please we'll do. Yeah, it. absolutely. <laughs> I'd like to explore a little bit the story of of Localize. Um, you know how did it how did it start? Um, how did you build the product? Um, and we can go into as little or as much detail as you like, but do you, do you want to just walk us through that story briefly? Yeah, of course. Um, so it seems it seems absolutely bonkers to say but the the concept of localized kind of i kept i came up with it in 2013 so a long time ago now like eight years it just seems so crazy to think this has been sort of part of my makeup since then um and how long it's taken um but initially um i like i mentioned that we had a pilot that i self-funded i spent some time trying to find a, a dev agency um that i didn't have the i didn't really know where to turn. I just know I wanted to build an app. What's the best way to do it? To go to a dev agency. That was my first kind of, that's what you do. That's what you do if you build an app. So 
going back to 2013, there weren't as many apps around as there as there are now. Um, but I had to kind of do this piece of work where I looked for agencies that wouldn't cost me, you know, a squillion bucks, but, but would do a decent enough job. And you know what it's like out there. There are a broad variety of agencies of all different levels of talent <laughs> and honesty and ability and cost, etc. So I had to find one that was cheap enough that I could afford that I thought would still do a decent job. And I found one and the chairman was a lovely guy and I really got on well with him and we started working together. And unfortunately he left um, a little way into the journey. Um, I think they had some staff changes internally. There was a new MD, the chairman left and a lot of the staff left. Um, I don't really know what went on, but it. <clears throat> but the company I chose, um, essentially they were just left there was like two or two or three people left and what happened was that they outsourced the code and it ended up getting coded by a squillion different people and you know what that's like you've you've, you've analyzed enough code in your time to see code that's just hacked together by lots of people the continuity and the, the seamlessness of it and the cleanliness of it just wasn't great and the app kind of we launched it it worked for a bit we actually won an award for it actually which was a really nice milestone i say we it was just me me on my own at that point but then kind of that that relationship had eroded with that developer it wasn't going well we kind of took it out of the app store and i was still working full-time in the in the banking world me and my wife were trying for a young family and you know i don't mind saying we were going through an ivf journey which was quite draining emotionally um and personally and financially cost cost of what um so something had to give so i put localized to the side for a few years while i just carried on doing my job did the IVF thing. Fortunately, we had my daughter, Emily, who was born in 2017, which was just the, the biggest blessing in my life ever. Um, mm -hmm. And then very naturally after, uh, quite soon after, we had Luna, my second baby. So she came along naturally, which was the most amazing surprise to us. You know, we'd been told that we couldn't have children naturally. Um, mm -hmm. And then she popped along, which was just amazing. Um, and then once the Luna was born and stuff, or when my wife was pregnant with Luna, I kind of thought to myself, this localized is a good idea. I can't just shelf it and never go back to it. So I kind of started working on it again. Self-funded a, a prototype, um, which we then used to kind of go out to some industry bodies and people in the industry and say, look, this is what we're trying to build. If we built this, would you sort of partner with us? Is it something you'd like to work with us on, etc.? And we got some really good responses. And then we used that prototype, those kind of, semi-warm confirmations of partnerships to put a pitch deck together um, and went out for funding. Um, we, the funding process happened quite quickly for us. I'm really, I feel very, very blessed and fortunate to say. Um, we met with some VCs. We met some angels. We had a couple of offers um, funding. We chose our, our, our funders. And then um, <coughs> fast forward to April 2020, all the due diligence was done. They're about to give us the money and put it in the bank, and we went into lockdown. And um, there was kind of an interesting conversation. I won't say it was a hairy conversation, you know, but it was like, right, Ash, we're about to put half a million quid into the bank account to save the help save the high street. And there's no high street. There's no bugger open. Everything was shut. Um, what What do you think about this? And I was like, well, really, you know, there's been a small wave of support for the high street over the last few years. But the way I saw it was when this pandemic's over, that wave of support is going to be a tsunami. You're, there was already murmurings about people wanting to support the high street more and shop local and these kind of things. And that's what we've seen at the back of lockdowns. We've seen a lot more people shopping locally, a lot more people wanting to 
um, support their independence. And although we saw a number of independents go by the wayside through lockdown, which is a terrible, terrible thing, I think the ones that have come out of it have a stronger support and more chance of succeeding. And now I speak to business owners all the time now who are just starting up new independent businesses. So I feel like that I feel like the high street's got a resurgence and I feel like it's coming it's coming back in a big way. And I hopefully that Localize can be a platform that can be there to help support those those independent business owners and, and absolutely not in an opportunist way because that's not how I work at all. You know, like I said, this wasn't a, a thing that we created because of the pandemic. There's an authentic and genuine desire to provide some value out here. And it's just coincidental that we're kind of coming out around at the same time that we're just coming out of a massive lockdown. Um, sometimes things align like that and, and that's what it's done here. Do, do you feel like the pandemic, or, or I'm sure it's having an effect, but what effect do you think the pandemic is having now? I mean, is it making it harder to 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 get traction or easier or, for, or do you have any sense? For us or for small business owners? Well, either one or, or both since you're so closely related, I guess. Do you know what? I think the pandemic is still having an impact on the high street in a way that when you're out on the street, you know, everyone has their own views on the pandemic, COVID, mask wearing, vaccinations, and that is what it is. But you still see a lot of people, I still think there's a lot of people, or I speak to a lot of people who are still scared to go out and still wear masks all the time and, um, you know, will only go into London if, if they absolutely have to, or if, you know, because of the, 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 the fear and the, the concern around catching COVID. So I don't think that we've got the population back out into the high streets properly yet. I think that will take some time still. Um, so in that way, I think that's probably, you know, that's obviously affecting the high street because it's probably not the full amount of footfall that, they, that there should be. But like I said, that this pandemic has really galvanised a lot of people um, to support their independent. And, you know, even my mum, who um, she said to me, during lockdown, she said, I want to buy a bike, actually. I want to go cycling on my bike. And I was like, oh, brilliant. Okay, I hope you find one. She said, has to be British made and I want to buy it from a, an independent shop in, in England. And, you know, my mum is a 64-year-old. Oh, oh, sorry, mum, if you're younger than that. I think you're about 64. Um, that was just really nice to hear because I'd never heard her proactively talk about supporting an independent business before or buying British uh-huh. made, etc. Um, and, you know, there's nothing against, I'm nothing against exports and imports. And, you know, we have got wonderful products in this country from other places. And that's how, you know, the global markets work. Um, but supporting homegrown and supporting, you know, your local business people, there's something for me that's just wonderful about that. It's magical, in fact. And, you know, part of the localized thing that we try and push. And, you, you know, this is it's about breaking down that faceless digital transaction and getting to know that isn't just a coffee shop. You, you know, that's that's John's coffee shop. John runs that coffee shop and he's got three kids. And when you buy coffee from that coffee shop, you're buying shoes for his family. For You're buying, you know, the school dinners for his children. It's it's real world stuff. They're real people. You're not putting a few more pence in Mr. Starbucks's pocket so he can dodge tax on it or, um, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? This is real stuff. These are real people. And these are people who make up our community. And the, the, the you know, the passion for trying to support those people is a big part of kind of what, what keeps us moving forwards even through these, these these early challenges that we're having that passion will always keep us going you know let's talk some more about um how you built the app so so you were you were telling the story of of uh up through you got some funding and, and you hired an agency um 
And then, and then, the, and then the pandemic hit. What what happened after that? What, what what was the next chapter in the localized story? So I'll tell you my story honestly. Um, we, you know, I haven't had great experience with agencies. Um, that's just the fact. It is what it is. I'm not going to name any agencies, etc. You know, I'm not about finger pointing or anything like that. But our journey specifically, um, the initial agency we worked with, obviously they had a big change in staff, and it didn't work out for us. And then when we raised our funds, we, you know, we spent a lot of time choosing an, an agency to spend our money with, to build Localize. Um, but for one reason or the other, um, one very expensive um, mistake, but we, we worked out they weren't the agency that were for us. I won't go into detail. Um, you know, sometimes things don't work out. Um, and like I said, everything's a learning curve. If I could go back and do it again, would I do it differently? 100% yes. But... Mm-hmm. You have to learn these mistakes for yourself before you know what to do next time around, right? So it's kind of yeah. so we we spent a hell of a lot of money with um, with an agency, and the product just wasn't what it, it needed to be at the end of that journey. And we had to make the decision to go right. We've got money in the pot now that we can use to get this product. We still bring the product to market with the money we've got left, but do we keep throwing it at this agency you haven't delivered, or do we sever that relationship and start again? And you know, money aside. Just emotionally and personally, that's a big decision to make to say, right, you know, I've spent £10 with this agency. I'm now just going to throw that £10 away and, and spend another £10 with with a, another party or, or agency or developer to, to, to essentially rebuild what I've spent six months working on, seven months, eight months. Um, so we made that decision. And the decision was we're not going to keep throwing money at an agency that weren't kind of delivering what, what we expected. And that takes us up to kind of the start of the year of, of, of 2021, where essentially I had a code base that wasn't great. Um, and I needed to get hire some, some people to help me either just redo it all or salvage what could be done out of the, the code base. Um, so I had a I already had a product manager working with Localize on a, on a freelance basis, um, very talented product manager, Dan, Dan. And I asked Dan to kind of help me um, what do we do here, Dan? Can you help me, like, sort of put this put this bit together? So he helped, um, kind of. We brought on board a kind of an interim CTO that then um, was Andrew that you, you've obviously mm-hmm. met. That helped me to hire hire you guys. Um, so Andrew and Dan really helped me kind of identify some some talent. We decided not to go down the agency route just because I I kind of felt like we'd been burnt twice there already and. Um, to get a bit more control over the process and a bit more ownership over what was going on, you know, daily stand-ups and these kind of things, which was kind of like a, a new concept to me because we hadn't done any of that first time around, which just seems bonkers mm-hmm. looking back. Um, so we hired a front-end engineer, we hired a back-end engineer, and we, we had an interim sort of support back-end engineer for a while as well. Um, Ray was on board for a while, and we obviously Mike up on the, on the front side. And... Um, and you guys really brought Localize to life and um, you've done a great job, by the way. I get lots of compliments okay. on it. It's working. It hasn't fallen over. Um, you said to me at the start of this, uh, oh, we haven't, I haven't spoken to you for a while. And that's why I haven't spoken to you for a while because it's working. It hasn't fallen over. It's been great. Right. So, yeah, we chose to bring the development in-house um, and we had more ownership and control over what was going on and much more kind of, I could communicate very freely with you. You know, J-Man, this is what we, we need to get this bit done. Can you tell me kind of the time frame that's going to, going to take and like, then I could then work out what that's going to cost and I can then go, yeah, I can allocate this amount of money to getting this piece of functionality done um, rather than kind of using an agency where it's kind of a big 
mystery. I didn't know what was going on, sort of thing. But this this gave us control, and I get to I got to meet yourself and Mike, and it's just been a really really pleasant experience from kind of March onwards when you guys came on board. So um, yeah, that's how we got to where we are, kind of on the tech front. Good, and then and then now just to, to bring the story up to date, um, we haven't been working directly together for what a month or two. Um, yeah. as we kind of finalized the MVP version, and now you're out there selling the app to, to local businesses. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And how is that going? What what kind of progress are you seeing? What kind of traction are you getting? I, again, it's this is a learning curve for me, and um, you, it's one of those things where you, it was, to start with, it was a massive anti-climax because you're working towards this big milestone of dropping an app into the App Store, and like we're all there and we drop it in the email that says it's been approved you're in the app store and you go yes and it's like well what now what, what where's my 10 million users where where's you know and then on the on the run-up to Lord put it into the app store i was talking with seo agent or aso agencies and kind of talking about app store optimization and you now we've got to spend this money and that money and we you kind of learn with a start running a startup that you don't need to overexert yourself on certain things before as a company and a product you're ready there's no way i should have and i didn't spend you know tens of thousands of pounds on marketing a product and wasting the the users that we'd get from the, from those exercises we could have got 10 million downloads on day 1 that would have been 10 million downloads wasted because the product wasn't full of vibrant content it takes a while for that to build up you know we've got we've got you know almost 100 businesses on there now we've got a few hundred users on there now but what's interesting is that the, the businesses and the users are on there, they're, they're, it's, it's an active community. There are businesses posting every day, um, which is lovely to see. And um, we've had some, some of the things, you know, we've had some little bugs that you've helped fix um, over the past couple of months. And what's been really promising for me is, you know, if you download an app and it doesn't work, you delete it, you turn it off, you never look at it again. But what I've had is business owners email me and say, Ash, this thing wasn't working for me. Can you can you fix it or can you show me how I can get it working? And they're they're wanting to engage, they're wanting to feedback, and they're it's just been a really nice kind of connected experience rather than people just going, oh, this isn't working, I'm just going to leave it. Um, and I think as a, as an organisation, we've tried to approach the the small businesses with a very personal and very personable kind of approach. I never it's never like a sales approach to them. I tell them what we're trying to build and what we're trying to achieve, and can can you be part of it and help us to grow this thing? And no one ever says no, really, because it's it's kind of a no-brainer. We're not charging businesses at this stage. It's you know I, I don't want to charge businesses until we feel justified that we can. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a slight, it's a it's a challenge onboarding businesses to an app that no one's heard of before, and it's a new thing. And lots of people, lots of people will not want to be the first, and they'll go, well, I'll wait till everyone else is doing it, and then I'll just jump on board. But what we yeah. what we found is that um, a lot of the independent businesses we've chosen do want to be the first and they are coming on board and it's just it's been really nice and yeah so i've got a little marketing team marketing team around us and we at the moment we're just out trying to sell the product and get businesses on board and it's 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 slowly happening but it's surely happening you know it's slowly but surely coming on and the idea is that we work out what works for us what doesn't work for us and you know we take the opportunities that we can and ideally, after a certain amount of time, we'll get to kind of a critical mass where it will tip and we'll start to get businesses on board. And we've seen it already. Some businesses have just onboarded themselves. I don't know who they are, where they come from, but they're on board and, they, and they're and they posting. There's a, a card detailing like workshop place just down the road from me that I never knew existed. 
And I saw a lovely picture of an Aston Martin Vantage um, posted the other day. And I was like, who's this? And they do detail on, on cars. I don't know how they heard about us, but they're on there now and they're posting. And that's brilliant. And, you know, I know a couple of our users that are petrol heads. So now they're following them and they're liking their posts and stuff. So we're starting to see those little connections. Um, that's and that's what, that's what we need on, you know, a million times bigger. And that's when we'll have our thriving community. But, you know, everyone, and I say this to small business owners, everyone has to start somewhere. And this is where we're starting. So, you know, um, yeah. yeah, I'm excited about it. And it's, it's going well. Um, I just have to adjust my expectations to, to understand it doesn't happen overnight and, and keep that, that pushing going, you know? Right, right. So you said you have about 100 uh, businesses. How many users do you have? Because you have, it's essentially a two-sided marketplace. You have businesses and you have users, uh, and they interact with each other. So you have nearly 100 businesses, but how many just regular users are, are interacting with these businesses? I think we've got um, 300, between three and 400 users, um, which is a decent ratio. Um, and what's really what's really nice for me is when I, I mean... I'm a complete geek when it comes to localized. So every like ten minutes, I refresh the screen, and literally, I could just ping you and say, "John, what's the what's the uh, what's the count in the database?" But I look through all the images and profiles. Oh, I've never seen that person before. Who's that guy? I'm going to follow him, etc. So I'm forever refreshing to see who's who's on board in and who's coming on. <clears throat> but yeah, we've got a decent ratio of users to businesses. And you're right with a marketplace like this. That that's a, that's a challenge in itself. You need essentially their buyers and sellers, aren't they? And you can't have one without the other, which is what led kind of to our strategy of launching in a in a set geographic location. Because then we have the control over right. We can onboard some businesses, and we can onboard some users, and we can kind of slowly build it up, which is what we've been doing, and it's what we're doing now. If we launch nationwide, we might get a business in Scotland and a user in Cornwall. Complete disconnect. Oh. No point in them being on the app which is why we chose to go in set locations where we've got support from the local councils who are helping us to, you know, to, to they're charging their social media accounts with localized staff. They're putting it out there on their Facebook and Instagram and various channels. And we're featured in the Ashford Borough Council magazine in a few weeks, which goes out to 57,000 households with a nice big QR code to say, this is how you can support independent in the area. So I'm hoping um, that'll have some take up. But it's one of those things where, it's so hard to get people to do something in the early days. Once other people's, once you get to a point where people, are, a number of people are doing it, others will follow trend. It's getting that first bit, which is the real challenge for us at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. That's all good fun. Great. How, how many people are working with Localize right now? Uh, I know it's you, and and you mentioned you have a, a marketing team. How many people are in the company? Are we involved on a day to day. Yeah. So. Um, there's myself. Um, there's we've got um, we've got Dan, Edie, Kira, and Ruth, who, who have all come through the Government Kickstart initiative, um, which has been a fantastic um, way for us to hire some young talent um, and not really cost us. Um, it's so expensive to hire people with national insurance and POAE, etc. But that Government initiative, the Kickstarter thing, has been really useful for us. And we've got Jess as well, who's uh, an intern. Um, we've just hired a part-time sort of business development guy as well called Jesse, who's sort of out on the street going into businesses and, and, and selling localized to businesses. He's just done two days for us. He just does a bit of part-time work at the moment. Um, but he's onboarded a handful of businesses as well, which has been really good. Um, and then I kind of have the the edge people sort of just on the edge uh, who are part, I consider still consider them part of the team, but just aren't involved in a day-to-day -day at the moment. And that's yourself. There's Mike. There's Angie. There's Andrew. 
there's Dan, there's Dino, our designer. Um, so, yeah, it's like as soon as we've got the resource, I want to get the band back together. <laughs> and then and, and pick All up right. where we where we left off because there's so much we can do yeah. with this platform and and with the whole e-commerce thing that we we talked about that that's a beast that's a big big piece of tech but it could be so awesome for independence and that's that's kind of where we need to demonstrate our growth and our traction etc so that we can be comfortable in going for our next fundraise to say this is what we want to build this is what we've done and, and kick on from there a few minutes ago you said um that if you could go back and redo some things, you would not have made some mistakes. What would you have done differently? Knowing what you know now, what would you do differently if you were to do it again? That's a really difficult question. Um, if literally I had all, if I, <clears throat> if I knew exactly what I knew now, what would I do differently then? I would, I would, I'll take the tech, the development in-house straight away. That's probably the main thing I would do differently. And also I would understand, if I had to go back, I'd understand that there are certain things that you don't need. You might, you know, you think you need to do these things and you start panicking, right, we're going to be ready soon. We need to, we need to hire someone to do some PR for us, etc. And, you know, those things can come later on. They don't need to be done at the start. So it would just be more get the tech team in-house, keep that communication with them open, daily like we did when our daily stand-ups etc mm -hmm. and just keep absolute um not micro control but just just be aware of everything that's going on what we're building what we're trying to build um, and work to the and try and work to the deadlines that you set you know deadlines always move it's really difficult to hit hit deadlines because challenges arise that you you never expected um but i feel like first time around with the agency we used we let it drag on we kind of had our doubts and we let it drag on and we had some more doubts and we let it drag on and we called kind of an emergency meeting and then we let it drag on a bit i think having the confidence to pull the plug and say no that that's not that's not right that would be something i would have, would have changed you well i wouldn't have to change it because i wouldn't have chosen to develop an agency so um but yeah if i'd have go if i'd going back and chose the age an agency again i would have I would have had more confidence to pull the plug rather than kind of let it go on um, mm -hmm. longer than it did. But yeah, tech in-house um, definitely is the, the main thing I would have done differently. Well, I, I just have one last question really, and you've already touched on the answer. Um, and that is what advice would you offer to other founders uh, who are, are in a similar state or maybe they're, maybe they're a year behind you, that they're, they're still pre-launch, what advice could you offer to people oh, in that situation? This is a tough question as well. There's so much, but can I bring it all into my head right now? Um, <laughs> one, learn from everything. Learn from everything. Everything is a learning curve. And if something doesn't go your way, take that opportunity to learn from that incident. And don't think that, don't think that you know, the world is falling apart because something didn't go your way. And as a founder... Let me tell you, it's such an emotional journey. Like, J-Man, I might get an email into my inbox one day and it's from someone who says, oh, thanks for reaching out, but I don't want to talk to you. And literally, you're you're on the floor. You're like, oh my God, it's, it's all falling apart. It's awful. And then you get an email to say, hey, I've just made my first post in Localizer. Oh, this is great. And then you're on top of the world again. And it's really like peaks and troughs in your, your emotional state. So don't one, it's just don't panic if things go wrong and learn from your mistakes. Try and stay calm because you get this, 
And I feel, I, I've done this a number of times. You get panicky. Something goes doesn't go your way and you think, oh my God, everything's going to fall apart. I'm panicking, etc. And, and And realistically, that's only happening in your own head. Mm-hmm. Externally, that's not happening in the real world. It's in your head. So it's about trying to get a bit of balance and um, <clears throat> understanding that things might seem bigger than they are. Um, so it's, yeah, try and keep calm. Don't panic too much. Learn from your mistakes. Um Keep trucking. Just keep trucking. You know, if, if you're not going to build, if you're not going to do it, no one else is going to do it. So just keep doing it. And also, conviction in when the, when you talk about your products and when you're talking to people about your product, don't go in all meek and half-assed and mm-hmm. uh, sorry, can I swear? Then it kind of sort of um, <laughs> cut. Don't go in kind of um, half-hearted. Uh, you have to be passionate in your delivery of what you're you, you're saying and. and People buy people. They don't buy products. They buy people. If you go in there with that passion is clear and what you're trying to achieve is clear and you can connect with people, that's going to give you so much of a better opportunity and chance of succeeding um, and to motivate your staff as well. Because if you don't believe in your product and you're kind of going, oh, is this going to work? Is this going to work? You're going to fill everyone around you with doubt. So even if you don't believe it's going to work, pretend you believe it's going to work. You know, I 100% believe this is going to work, no doubt. But even if you have your doubts on the days where you are doubting yourself, mm-hmm. keep it going. Just keep it going. Keep it going. Well, your your passion shows through in your conversation. And, and I, I know that about you just speaking to you over the last several months. Uh, you're a very passionate person and you clearly believe in this. If If listeners are interested in joining you on this journey, especially if they live in the UK, how can they sign up? How can they, if they're a small business owner or they just want to be a, a, a user of the app, where do they go to learn more? Absolutely, yeah. So um, obviously the, the website's uh, www.localizeapp.com. Um, we're on Instagram at Localize. We're on Facebook. The Marketing Girls got us on TikTok last week, so we're on TikTok now. Um, but essentially, just go to the uh, go to the app store. We're, we're on iOS uh, at the moment when we can afford to finish Android. We'll be we'll be on Android. Um, we're on iOS right. at the moment. Um, just go to the App Store, search Localize. We're the, we were about the tenth one in the list of apps called Localize when we launched, which I was a bit gutted about. But now we're number one mm. in the, in that pile. Okay. When you search for us, we're there number one. Um, and if you're a business owner, just download the app, register yourself, and it's very simple. You can very simply add your business by clicking the Add Your Business button. Very simple on board. Um, and we'd love to have you on board. Yeah, we need all the help we can get. So please download and come, right. and come and check us out. And you're focused right now, if I'm not mistaken, on the Kent area. But anybody in the UK can can use the app. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we are. We've put in our, you know, a concerted effort into the Kent area where we're working with the councils and local organisations, etc. But anyone in the UK can open the app. And I, I kind of yeah. feel that once we've scaled somewhat and we've well, put it this way, I can't control where people download it. So if a business downloads and registers in Scotland or in Manchester or Liverpool, welcome. Please, please do that. Um, but just know that we're probably not going to be fully active in those areas for a while yet. But that's how we start to get active in those areas is by the, the, the first downloads, etc. And sometimes that will steer where we're going to go next. So if we found that we're getting a lot of downloads in a certain area, maybe that's that's maybe that's where we need to focus on as a next area of, of kind of um, focus. You know? Yeah, indeed. 
And for those of us uh, who are not in the UK, but we're interested in following this story, is can we follow you somehow and, and learn more about what's happening at Localize in the future? Yeah, I think Instagram is probably the best one. Um, at Localize on Instagram, um, you can follow me personally on on my Instagram as well. I do post on there every now and then about um, Localize and, and the journey we're on, and and really my my kind of my journey of supporting small businesses is documented well on there. Um, it's at Master Cornelius on Instagram. Um, Wonderful. That's Master is in the Jedi, Master Cornelius. Of course, yes. <laughs> well, Master Cornelius, is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off today? Um, no, do you know what? Just thank you for having me on. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And I look forward to be able to uh, get you fully engaged in, in helping us to create more functionality within Localize. Hopefully that'll be sooner rather than later. It, I, I hope so too. It's been uh, working with Localize has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's a fun team. It's a fun project. So I, I look forward to having the opportunity to work together again soon. Thank you very much. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next time. Is your company struggling with software delivery? Would it be helpful to bounce some ideas around with somebody who's been there and done that before? You can borrow my brain for a one-on-one -on -one consultation call. Go to jhall.io slash call for all the details. This episode is copyright 2021 by Jonathan Hall. All rights reserved. Find me online at jhall.io. Theme music is performed by Riley Day. <laughs>